there's something about podcasting that's just like it's extra right you know like it the the cadence in someone's voice or i mean things that aren't really translated on um on paper or on magazines or stuff like that or mm -hmm. maybe even video i would even argue because there's something super intimate of just like having like listening and only listening and you're you're mm -hmm. kind of imagining what it's supposed to look like and what it's supposed to feel like that was podcaster alice cunning glenn the host of coffee and quack a podcast that celebrates and explores contemporary native life in urban alaska in it alice sits down with alaska native thinkers doers and change makers to discuss issues that affect Alaska Native people, their culture, and their environments. She also hosts and produces Resolve, a show about missing and murdered Indigenous women in Alaska, and also Alaska Natives on the Frontline, which highlights the adaptability and the resilience of the Inupiat people in the face of climate change. Also joining this conversation are podcasters Ralph Sara and Daniel Boitrago. Daniel co-hosts the Alaska Wild Project, a show that gives an inside look at Alaska outdoor lifestyles. Ralph is the host of the Anonymous Eskimo Recovery Podcast, a show that features conversations with guests who are working through alcohol and drug addiction, many of which are indigenous people. So here they are, Alice Cunnick Glenn, Ralph Sara, and Daniel Boitrago. <laughs> Welcome to Chattermarks, a podcast of the Anchorage Museum, dedicated to exploring Alaska's identity through the creative and critical thinking of ideas, past, present, and future. My name is Cody Liska, and I'll be your host. Alice, you just had a birthday, didn't you? Yes, I did. I just turned 33 yesterday. How does it feel? It feels, um, it feels like the last two years have been a wash, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I am super happy, thankful for all the wonderful people in my life. And yeah, I feel great. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's been doing those like 10 year challenges or whatever, or, you know, like, where were you 10 years ago? And I don't want to be 10 years ago at all. Like I was looking at my photos and I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy to be where I'm at today. <laughs> you know, I felt that that way uh when i turned 30 i don't know what it was but once i turned 30 i had this like th this wash of calm just come over me and i don't know what it is or what it was but i was like i'm finished with my 20s and i can at least calm down a little bit now did you did you get that when you were 30 or maybe when you were 33 yeah, I was like, you know, those of us in the 30 year old community, you know, mm -hmm. when I was talking to like my younger sisters and just kind of making fun of them. Yeah, I feel good. I feel like, um, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I do feel like I, I peace out 20s. Like I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> and Alice, would you mind starting us off by introducing yourself? Sure. Yes. My name is Alice Kanik is my Inupiaq name. Um, I was born and raised in Utkervik, um, formerly known as Barrow. Um, but my family is from all over the North Slope, um, from the foothills of the Brooks Range to the tippy top of the coast and onto the Beaufort and Chukchi, Beaufort and Chukchi Sea. Um, I host and produce um, Coffee and Kwok, uh, a podcast to celebrate and explore contemporary native life 
in urban and sub and subsequently rural Alaska. Um, so yeah, so that's what uh, a little bit about me and I'm, and I'm excited to hear a little bit more from your other guests too today. Uh, my name is Daniel Boitrago. I have been living in Alaska for the last 40 years, pretty much my entire life. Uh, very avid outdoorsman, um, fishing, hunting, everything, snowboarding, everything that you can do outside. I am one of the uh, three hosts of the Alaska Wild Project podcast. Um, I also am the producer and editor of all that stuff as far as keeping up with social media and editing all the shows. And the Alaska Wild Project podcast is basically trying to give an inside look into all the Alaska outdoor activities, lifestyles, cultures, and all the cool people that are doing these things up here. How's it going, guys? I'm Ralph Sara. Um, I was born and raised in Bethel, Alaska. Um, my mother is Phoebe Evan. My father was Clement Morton Sara. And if you guys notice, the last name is Sara, which is, which is Norwegian. His grandfather, uh, when he was very young, along with his family, was brought from Norway uh, by Sheldon Jackson to teach um, kind of the native people how to herd reindeer when it was um, when Alaska was going through a famine. So they were brought with their herd of reindeer and their family and a bunch of other families from Norway to Alaska, and they stayed here. Um, I have a fiance, beautiful fiance named April. I have four children, Kelsey, Stone, Cadence, and Aiden. I live and work here on uh, Denina Land in Anchorage, Alaska. I'm a full-time dental assistant during the day. And I also uh, host a podcast called The Anonymous Eskimo Recovery Podcast, which... Um, gives voices to those who are in recovery and have found sobriety. And I try to have a soft um, focus on indigenous people. I try to have as many as I can on indigenous people to share their voices because um, when I was thinking about doing a podcast, I Googled indigenous, native, Inuit, all of the words, Eskimo, you know, whatever I could find. And I couldn't find one specifically for that. I could find episodes of it, but nothing really focused to it. So, um, I'm in recovery. And so that's why I do it. It, it helps keep me accountable. And at the same time, I get to, you know, send some hope out to others because I could have used hope when I was <laughs> trying to get sober. So that's why I do this podcast. So Ralph, in your podcast, you talk with people about their alcoholism and drug addiction, and these conversations that you have are often very personal and require that you and your guests are completely honest and completely candid with each other. What made you want to engage with people, a lot of times strangers in this way? Well people who come on my show are so, so courageous to be able to even tell their stories. Mm -hmm. um, it gives a voice to show, because there's a stigma with recovery and sobriety. There's a stigma of, you know, everybody's bad. They've done bad things. And so they're in recovery and they're not to be trusted or they're bad people. Right. So if we give a voice to 
people who are in recovery or who have found sobriety, they can show others that are either going through it or, you know, families that are kind of curious of how recovery uh, plays out. They can listen to the stories and they can either relate to it or, you know, they can learn from it. Mm-hmm. And th- this is just to show what they've went through and that it's possible. And we are not, you know, people that are uh, not good people. We found a way to be able to live a better life. Mm-hmm. Hi, Ralph. Um, nice to speak to you. Uh, I know that we've been in touch um, over like social media and stuff and over messages, um, but it's in- it's my first time um, getting to speak with you one-on-one. So uh, hi, happy new year. And it's really great to meet you, Dan. Yes, you as well. I know I, I asked uh, Alice some questions. I got some, I picked her brain about, you know, some podcasting questions when I was first starting out and she was a really good help for me. So uh, great to meet you guys as well. And going off of that, Ralph, um, this question goes to everybody. Have have you found that the the podcast community in Alaska is welcoming? You know, whenever you have reached out to other people who are podcasting, other hosts, other producers, have you found that they're receptive? Uh, I'll go first. Um, I find that they are very receptive. Um, Everyone, especially getting started, I mean, there's anyone that's thought about starting a podcast or has one, there's a lot of hurdles and hoops and, you know, what company you use and what all the equipment you got to get. And, you know, there's different uh, levels and stages. And so I, I called as many people. I mean, I know I bug Cody a lot, um, asking different questions and anyone that I knew that had a podcast and everyone was super helpful. Everyone was willing to give me their ideas or their suggestions for whatever equipment and, and how to get started. And, I feel as if every other podcaster that I've come across in Alaska has been very open and wanting to have us on their show or come on our show. And it really seems like a family where you can call anyone anytime and ask for any sort of advice or help. And um, it seems like everyone is willing to help each other. It doesn't seem like a competition. It seems more like a family, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. Um I think that when I first started my podcast, I didn't know if there were any others. I think I had only heard of yours, Cody, um, before. And so um, it was a little bit difficult, you know, trying to find my footing. And selfishly, I just want to see more media come out of uh, Alaska and come from an authentic place in Alaska instead of all this like weird stuff, you know, on TV and like sensationalization and, you know, misrepresentation that um, for me personally, I'm always open and willing to help anyone who even wants to try or start their own. And so, yeah, I have been in touch with a couple of different people who um, have started their podcasts and I do all I can to just give them tics, uh, tips and tricks, uh, things that I wish I knew when I first started as well, just to, you know, keep that ball rolling and to, um, yeah, you know, it's just part of my mission to celebrate and explore, you know, life in Alaska. And so, um, yeah, I think that everyone has been super open yeah, definitely. Like I said before, I, I contacted Alice Kanaklin. I, I feel like I have to say your your whole name. <laughs> <laughs> and she was totally awesome and gave me some pointers. You know, I had so many questions when I first started out. I watched like all the YouTube, you know, tutorials <laughs> and I read some 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 
just just anything I can find out about it and listen to a bunch of whole uh, podcasts. And like you said, the community is pretty awesome because, you know, I got to be on your podcast and I got to be on, you know, Blaze Bell's podcast. She was pretty awesome. I got some pointers from her. So uh, being in Alaska and not knowing how to do a podcast, if you just reach out, everybody's so friendly and so helpful. So that was my experience. And I'm still learning too. I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm still learning the rope still. You know, Alice, back in 2019, when I had you on the other podcast I do, Crude Conversations, you said that you started Coffee and Quack because you wanted to tell the truth about your people and other Alaska Natives, that there's this racist narrative that Alaska Natives can't take care of themselves, but the reality is that they're strong, proud, and resilient. Do you feel like this is still an accurate description? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I So in addition to Coffee and Quack, I also host and produce um, Resolve, which is about missing and murdered indigenous women in Alaska, and then also another um, side podcast called Alaska Natives on the Frontline, um, which highlights the adaptability and resilience of the Inupiat in the face of climate change. Um, and so that one's got gotten a little bit more recognition. We, we, we won a couple of awards, journalistic awards. My uh, partner Jenna and I, who I worked with um, on that project, Jenna Kunz, um, she's a journalist um, who used to live in Haines, but now lives on the East Coast. Um, and that had like directly influenced um, that uh, second um, podcast, Alaska Natives on the Frontline, because I felt also just on not even just nationally, but like internationally, um, I felt that there was some sort of misrepresentation about indigenous peoples around the world that are, you know, um, undergoing changes um, from climate change. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that there's some people that kind of view it as like loom and doom, like we're going to be gone in 50 years. And I'll, it's obviously something to be concerned about. And we're, and we're always monitoring it, um, you know, my communities up on the North Slope. Um, but there's not like this sense of running around with your head cut off, like, you know, like, you yeah. know, everyone's not like screaming and running around like, ah, oh, the world's on fire. It's, um, <laughs> and, and it's not to say that we haven't undergone change before, you know, uh, Alaska Native people, ha like our worlds have been changing since, you know, we can remember. Um, and adaptability is a huge value in, in our um, indigenous worldviews. So um, it was important to me to share that part of the story instead of this uh, loom and doom and, um, you know, like trauma porn or just like mm -hmm. kind of just defining us by our disparities. And I hate that. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely shines through still today in different parts of my podcast um, and I think that, you know, who is that serving when you strip people of their power, uh, of their sovereignty and and view them as victims? Who That doesn't serve the native community and that doesn't serve everyone else. You know what I mean? So I think mm -hmm. that the only way that I want to tell my younger sister, you know, like what's happening in the world is, is from a point of empowerment and um, autonomy and things that you can do and, and a recognition that this is, you know, this is kind of just like a moment in time. We've been here for thousands and thousands of years. Um, we can overcome certain things. Um, so yeah, I mean, it has definitely grown into, you know, several different pockets of my, of my work to really share that story and to empower Alaska Native people. At any moment or any point in 
in pursuing these stories on your podcasts, have you, have you felt like I need to record these stories for posterity? Yeah. So I work with uh, Jackie Lambert, Jackie with a Q. Um, she has her own native owned magazine. We work together on native time, um, which is a collaborative media um, experience really. Uh, and, and we've done a couple of projects with that so far, but she's an amazing, um, journalist as well and storyteller and writer and poet, everything, you know, she's like a Jackie of all trades, she calls herself. And mm -hmm. so, um, she was, she kind of brought that idea up to me that like, she loves looking through old archives, you know, old magazines or listening to old recordings of like meetings, like borough meetings or um, what have you, you know, and she just she's like a geek for it. She loves to like listen to old stories, old um, song and dance. Um, and she and she was just like, this is so cool, Alice, you know, what you're doing is is you're creating something that will live on forever. And I never thought about it that way. I kind of just thought like, you know, it's just of the now. You know, like I'm just creating something for now, but I, 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 it didn't really cross my mind that I, it's true. I'm actually creating something that will live on for a long time. And if, and anyone who wants to kind of like access what we were thinking about, you know, in 2020, like you can just access these podcasts and you don't have to, you know, maybe dig so hard or read or, mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess research so much, you can just listen to a podcast, which is so cool. And, I, and, um, it didn't really, it didn't really occur to me until Jackie had mentioned it, but yeah, that's, it's really awesome. Um, and I'm proud of that. That's going to be, that's going to be super dope. Like in, in the future <laughs> to look back on this time. You know, Alice, I had a recent experience that, that matches exactly what you're, you're talking about as far as kind of time travel, bringing you back to that time. And it was an interview with Joan Didion on the Studs Terkel um, radio show from like way back. And what was so great about it is they were both in the same room and you just got like that, that crackle and that like that ambient sound of, you know, the background and maybe the lights and then also like. Uh, just the crinkling of a clothes or water bottles. And it just really, really brings you to that moment. Yeah, that's really cool. There's something about podcasting that's just like it's extra, right? You know, like it, the the cadence in someone's voice or I mean, things that aren't really translated on um, on paper or on magazines or stuff like that, or mm -hmm. maybe even video, I would even argue, because there's something super intimate of just like having, like listening and only listening. And you're, you're mm -hmm. kind of imagining what it's supposed to look like and what it's supposed to feel like. Um, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I think that that's super cool. And, and I think that I try to use that with my podcasting too, is to try to get I feel like sound has um, soul, right? And so all of the sounds that I use in my podcast and like the music, I try to make it as local as possible. I don't try to get like computer generated stuff. I, I really want it to be and feel like I'm sitting at home, you know, with someone having a real conversation and someone's just listening in with us. So um, that's just kind of the, the vibe that I, I'm going for. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but it's, it's cool. Well, to go along with what you're saying uh, about getting digging in a little bit deeper, 
um, and, and having these stories for people to go and listen to. Um, and, and a lot of things that we're trying to do with our podcast is that there's so many different activities and cultures of things that you might have heard about that are happening. Um, for example, like, you know, dog mushing or gold mining or, um, you know, kiteboarding or anything crazy that people are doing that maybe you know a little bit about it, but you never really heard about the details um, or what it takes to really get started or, or what it takes to really get going with something like that. And so that's one of the things that we try to outline where people can be like, hey, I'm actually looking at getting into you know, fat tire biking or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we'll have an episode on that. We'll actually bring in someone that's like in the business of that or super into that. And then they can expand on actually what it takes and kind of give the tips of, of what to get started on that. Cause a lot of times you go to research some of that stuff or look it up and you have nowhere really to even start. Um, if you're like, Oh, that's really cool. I really want to get into Nordic skiing, but I'd never done it. And if we can provide a little bit of content of like, Hey, you can contact this person and we got all this information from this person because a lot of, a lot of times it's hard to find some of that info out there. And that's like some of the things that we're trying to do is let's dig deep and really see what it does. Cause these people that are super into that, like, for example, I'm really into like fly fishing and I know all about that, but I've always wanted to be, um, you know, go into fat tire biking, but I don't even know where to start. And so we could bring someone in that is really into that lifestyle and into that culture and really just like pull that information out for them so that other people can also gain from, you know, the knowledge that they let us know. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an element of voyeurism, I think as well, that, that, um, as a person, you can be interested in something like fat tire biking, but, maybe you don't know what the entry point is, or maybe you're just interested in hearing stories of, of the outdoors. But at the same time, like you hear those conversations and maybe you come to the realization that, Hey, the entry point isn't as far fetched as I originally thought. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So the entry point, I mean, maybe you haven't, um, you've wanted to do whatever activity it is. And, and, and by listening to a podcast where you brought somebody in that is, um, has the knowledge, um, and kind of make you ease your mind, like, oh, it's actually not that difficult to get into this, or, you know, the point you in the right direction, or maybe there's actually a group of people that are meeting up. It just kind of gives you how to actually get your foot started on whatever path you're trying to do or whatever activity you're trying to get into. Mm -hmm. I know that for me, I always feel like I'm running out of time when it comes to conversations on the podcast. Like I only have so much time to capture these voices and these stories before they're gone forever. And there are a few conversations that I can just never have again, you know, because maybe uh, that person has passed away or that person um, maybe had a stroke and, and, and kind of their, their knowledge and their voice is not there anymore. So I guess, for example, I always wanted to interview my grandparents um, on my dad's side about um, Borderline. And Borderline was this snowboard and skateboard shop that my dad and my uncle Jay started in 1989 and it went to 2006 and i wanted to know about like what were they like you know from a parent's perspective when they were coming up when they were younger and my grandparents have since um, my grandma had a stroke 
and she's like you know she was kind of like the orator in the family and so that that knowledge base is not there anymore but long story short i i think i have a little bit of maybe ptsd from that like like um and, and it's just it just has fed my my neuroses about like i need to hurry up and and preserve this conversation and preserve this voice do any of you have that same perspective about the work you do i think i do um and not maybe not in a sense of uh, people passing but um some of the stories that um, people have shared with me are so incredibly personal and traumatic especially the missing and murdered stories and even one woman she had not even shared her story out loud before and that was so incredibly difficult you know as a interviewer to to try to get that story out and um and to do it in a way that is comfortable and ethical and you know i think yeah. that uh but because it might have been the first time her sharing her story out loud it it came out a certain way right and so maybe she might not ever say it out loud again or maybe she doesn't even want to think about it or you know there's um some level of um how people share their story and and just being, I just, I'm so thankful, you know, that people are are trusting me enough with their story that they, they, they'll sit down with me and have a conversation and I'm able and trust and also just trust me to edit it and share it with the world, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I do feel in some kind of similarities in that, Cody, but um, not so much, I guess, if like, or, or even like I did a, a podcast episode about um, COVID when it first came out, right? And, and so like that was a, it was a whole new experience. We didn't really know what was happening. We didn't know what was going on. But I spoke with a, um, a traditional healer and, uh, and kind of got her perspective about what's going on right now and, and who she's listening to. And um, even though we know so much more now, right, there's news that comes out um, about new stuff that comes out about COVID all the time. So. Mm -hmm. Um, it's ever changing, but this was like of the moment, you know, and I kind of felt like let's get it out as soon as possible because everyone's it's on everyone's mind right now. Like, let's just try to, I guess, you know, knowledge is power. And at that time, it was just a lot of fear. And there's still a lot of fear today, you know, but I think when it had just started, that was kind of like, boom. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think with my podcast, people are sharing their like their deepest secrets sometimes you know and sometimes i have to they ask me um to you know can, can you edit this part out and of course i have to respect them and i do and i've had you know a person ask me to take their whole podcast off of my um you know my lineup so i did that um you were talking about posterity is it yeah um there was a great um, paper written by Harold Napoleon called Yuyarok, The Way of the Human Being. And it talks about generational trauma. And with my podcast being uh, the recovery and sobriety as a subject, there has been generation, generations and generations of people that have stuffed in all of their feelings and they don't want to talk about it, right? Because mm -hmm. it's so hurtful and it's shameful you know, all the um, boarding school survivors, all the, you know, the the survivors of the past, all their traumas that they went through, they don't, being Native, they were brought up not to talk about it, right? 
you know, it's shameful. Don't talk about your past or what you're going through or, you know, like my podcast, Recovery, about all the bad things you've done or, you know, the bad things you've been through or how, how you drank before you did drugs, but now you're sober. Um, I think nowadays it's becoming more and more um, common for people to be proud of being able to come out of those types of situations of living a, a bad life and then being able to come up out of that to live a better life. And I've been seeing a lot of like Facebook posts about, you know, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm a month sober now, or even 10 years sober. And that's how I get a lot of my guests. You know, I just reach out to them and say, Hey, you know, if you'd like to share and maybe send some hope to other people. So we're not alone to show other people that we're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you could share with us or the world, you know, and that's that's what I'm thinking about because I had to look up po- posterity. <laughs> <laughs> I had to Google it. Like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> but yeah, like I was saying, generational trauma. They were, you know, they they didn't talk about a whole lot of stuff. But nowadays, that's you know, people are starting to, you know, step up and be able to talk about it. You know, share about it, and sometimes that's how they heal. You know, mm-hmm. that's cool, Ralph. Yeah, and Ralph, um, there is no shame in having to look up a word. I do it every single day. One of the most used apps on my phone is (laughs) (laughs) dictionary.com. You know, Alice mentioned ethics, um, which I always think is a fun conversation and an interesting conversation. And this question goes to everyone. How often do you find yourself considering the ethics of a certain conversation or sharing someone's story? Always, always. I think that there's a responsibility for us as media creators um, to to take that to heart, you know, even, um, even if you just have like a fun podcast too, like it's just like a, you know, shooting the shit kind of podcast or whatever, um, which Jackie and I do want to start our own kind of like after hours uh, you know, podcast where we kind of just like two Andes, just like, you know, letting loose, letting our hair down and talking about whatever we want. But there's a, there's a, there's responsibility in giving people a voice. Right. And so even just recently I had heard that maybe somebody I had featured was, um, an unsavory character, I guess you could say. And so I was like, Oh no, like, what do I do? You know, do I, I don't want to be known as somebody who like uplifts, you know, somebody like that's voice. Um, should I delete it? Like, what do I do? Um, and I, I, I just felt very conflicted because I just spend a lot of time. I get into my own brain a lot about like what I'm doing and who am I, who I'm doing it for and stuff like that, which is good, uh, you know, to be aware, but sometimes Mm -hmm. I can just like fall down a rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, I think it's so important for me. It's 90% preparation, 10% execution. And if my, if the people that I'm interviewing don't feel comfortable, then I'm not doing it right, you know, and I just take a lot of thought and I, I hold a lot of, um, weight and responsibility in how it's done because I don't want it to be extractive or exploitative Mm -hmm. um, because the Alaska Native community has just known that so so much throughout our history Um, you know our knowledges were just um, exploited and and even you know sometimes these stories of like whaling and stuff like that like these PETA or uh, whatever environmental groups like they'll attack 
you know, young hunters that are just out there trying to provide food for their community because of, mm -hmm. you know, miseducation or misunderstanding or just plain ignorance, you know? And so there's, um, it's scary for me. It's, it's super scary, but I, I feel like if I, um, and, and we're all bound to make mistakes, right? And so I try to give myself some grace in that too, is, is that like, you know, I, I'm not going to get it right 100% of the time, but my intention is there and, and I'm trying. And then, you know, I, I'm trying not to be like super woke too, you know, like, okay, you know, it's, it's hard to keep up with all of the, the woke Olympics. Um, <laughs> I've never but... heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying, you know, and then like, you just kind of like apologize when you're wrong and um, acknowledge it and then move on. Um, but yeah, I do spend a lot of time thinking about the ethics and in, in what I'm doing and and who I'm serving and who I'm maybe not serving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the ethics come it comes up a lot in our podcast when we're talking about you know taking animals from the land or fish from the land and and you have different levels of of you know people have you know I get into it a lot with uh, listeners from like Europe or you know out of the United States where it's it's not part of their culture and um, it's I find it fun to kind of explain to them like hey this is how we grew up and this is you know we're actually taking care of our our animals and and eating every part of it and using as much as we can mm -hmm. and and a lot of times you'll get you'll get um, backlash from certain people and you know, and sometimes it's like you're not going to be able to change everyone's mind and, and not everyone grew up here and understands the culture that we live in. So ethics is definitely something that, you know, we think about. And, and a lot of times you might get a guest in that, you know, their, eth their ethics might not be the same as your ethics. And so I find it's like your job. I mean, they can speak their mind as well as you can speak your mind and kind of let the audience decide, you know, where they stand on the opinions of others. Daniel, could you maybe talk more in depth about those conversations that you have with people whose ethics don't align with your own? It seems to be um, people that didn't grow up um, the same way that I did, I guess. And to me, it's it's normal to go out on a weekend and, and, go, and go get salmon or go get a caribou or go get moose for the year. And and use that and my, my kids my two kids at home that's all they've known that's all they've eaten mm -hmm. and we try to use the land you know berries and and grow our own garden and do all these things that we we try to live off the land as much as we can even though we're i mean we live in los anchorage but we still try to get out there and do that stuff and so i get into these conversations even with my own family members who are you know from new york city and they live in new york or they live in miami or germany where hunting and, and living off the land, stuff like that is not really part of their culture. And so a lot of times they will, you know, be like, oh, that poor animal, or why did you do that? Or why did you post that? And, or why are you feeding your kids that? And so I have to really like go on a side note and personal message them a, a long paragraph explaining that, hey, this is the way we live. And, and this is how we are living off the land this way and this is this is the way that we feel is a part of our culture up here and a lot of times it's it's tough for them to understand but i feel it's important for me to try to help them understand you're a better man than me dan because i don't even put up with that bs anymore i'm just like <laughs> uh there's a lot of resources on the internet for you to like google stuff like uh i'm not gonna take you know free labor and to, to educate you about shit that you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there'll be haters on the internet and I won't talk to them about it, 
But if it's like a family member or a cousin or someone I'm close to that really knows me, then I'll be like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to take the time to give you, you know, a four paragraph text here on what my thoughts are. And a lot of times they're like, man, I didn't see it that way. You know, I never heard of it that way. And it kind of, you know, it might not change their mind all the way, but at least it lets them understand my point of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you like that show, that Stephen Ranella show, Meat Eater? Um, I, yeah, I have mixed feelings. I have a mixed okay. feelings about his entire deal there. Um, I just feel it's very hunting in general is it's become very commercialized and, mm. and like put up on this pedestal, especially like certain animals, like sheep hunting and all that stuff. It's like these, these guys that do that and Hey, I get a sheep every year and I got the biggest Ram and all this stuff. It's like, well, it's not really about that, mm -hmm. you know, for me and right. for, and for us. And so I feel like it's important for me to, you know, voice my opinion. I mean, I, I do go do that stuff, but it's not like to me, it's more the experience of being out there, um, out in the wild and out in the mountains than it is the actual taking of the animal. Whereas it seems like a lot of those shows and stuff like that, it's all about, you know, the kill shot or the, the opposite thing that me, like me, I'm, I want to demonstrate you know, what it takes to really get out there and the tough times and the, and the weather and the beauty of it versus, you know, the 1% that is the actual taking of the animal. Um, and I feel like that's been exploited a lot on a lot of these shows and some of these big time like hunting guides and stuff like that. And so I'm trying to shine a different light on that, that the majority of us are really out it for the experience and to get out into the wilderness and, and be one with nature more than just like getting the kill shot or whatever. Yeah. And I think that that takes a lot of energy. I run my, my dad's social media. So Alaska surf adventure, I, I run that. And whenever we post hunting photos, people get a little incensed. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, I will just ignore it because the other people that, that follow his account will also comment under those and kind of explain in the same way that you do, Daniel. Um, so I don't really need to very often, but on occasion, I will have to sit down and explain to this person who is not familiar with this lifestyle that, you know, we eat what we kill and... This is done, you know, hunting as far as I was raised and as far as, you know, my dad taught me and all my siblings is we go out there, we hunt for all of the meat that we will have for the entire winter. And we won't go to the grocery store and get meat. We will have meat that we got ourselves. Yeah. And it's a privilege, you know, to not have to do that. Mm -hmm. you know but also it's a privilege too you know <laughs> it's all a privilege it's all a it's privilege, all a privilege. <laughs> <laughs> well and especially in this day and age of like you know farm salmon and you know fake meats and all this crazy stuff it's like you know you know it's tough to know what you're eating and you know to me it seems like the best way is to actually go out there and bring what you're gonna eat home and then you know exactly what you got on your plate mm-hmm Dude, I was in Vegas and uh, we went to Nobu, you know, that famous restaurant yep. where they have sushi and everything like that. They had, uh, they had salmon and uh, it looked funny to me. And I was like, 
is this is this farmed salmon? And they were like, uh, this is Atlantic salmon. Um, and, you know, I guess they farmed it in, in, I don't know, Norway or something like that. They said, yeah, it's farmed salmon. And I was like, oh, my God, no boo has farmed salmon. <laughs> you know, you get so spoiled getting your own salmon, uh, you know, so... I don't know. Yikes. Abort, abort. You committed treason. Well, that's a way for them to like a little trickery, you know, Atlantic salmon, where really it's, you know, let's be honest, it's farm salmon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alice, earlier you said something that I really liked. It was about how there's a responsibility in sharing someone's voice. How would everyone deal with an episode of your podcast if it turned out that a guest was unsavory or that they maybe recently did unsavory things? Yeah, I I mean, I wrestled with that idea um, a couple of different times, but I think that, um, I think that I have a lot of engagement with my listeners enough on like social media and even like through emails, people email me all the time, like thanking me for certain things or just, you know, just kind of sharing whatever they want to share and their thoughts or reflections. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that I have enough of a relationship with my listeners that they know that I would never willingly put somebody on that I knew was, um, you know, bad or whatever, or, um, who, whose values don't align with my own. Um, and, and I, but at the same time, you know, I don't even want to, um, if I were to just, it's almost like when you make a comment and then you just delete it, you know, and it's kind of like, mm-hmm. well, that's not, there's not really a responsibility or accountability in those kinds of things. So I don't want to just delete it. If it did become like such a, an uproar or, you know, maybe there was a call to cancel or a call to <laughs> take this person down or take this specific podcast episode down, then I I would definitely listen to it and then, you know, try to grow and learn um, in a constructive way. Um, Just because I I did a recent podcast episode about um, like cancel culture and how like that's not helpful for anyone. Um, And that's not how we live as Alaska Native people in the village, you know, too. Like you can't just like people aren't dispensable that you can just say, well, oh, I don't agree with you and I don't like what you did. So get the heck out of my face and get the heck out of our community. It's not like that. You know, there's um, a level of respect that there you just kind of have to work it out. You know, use your social skills, use your communication skills to to see where they're coming from and then just either politely like, um, you know, 
uh, disagree or um, say your piece and move on. I mean, there's there's no need to like pull people down. I think I'm not I'm not for that kind of you know cancel culture type stuff or um, you know a- and who am I you know to like say you know that this person needs to be um, you know I don't know I I just I kind of view myself as just one person right and and here I am. And people have a lot of suggestion, suggestions, they have a lot of things to say, but I'm always like, well, if you feel so strongly about it, then maybe you should start your own podcast and, and cover what you want to talk about or cover um, or talk to people you want to talk to, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, there's a level of, I, I understand responsibility, but also a level of just like, hey, I'm doing my best, I'm one person, you know, I, I'm doing this all on my own, so I'm trying to figure it out just like everyone else is. And especially having... Um, maybe not so many people to look up to in the sense of podcasting because it's still kind of new, you know, and like this idea of like hosting a podcast and and making it, you know, maybe your your full-time job or something like that. There's just not a lot of people I can speak to to um, kind of guide me in that way. So I, I really just lean on my Inupiaq values um, at, whenever something pressing comes up like that and um, – and, you know, and I feel like if somebody would like to have a conversation about it, then that's cool with me, too. Like, I'd be willing and open to to speak with anyone who questions any part of my decision-making process. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, I've been, like, preparing myself to get canceled, like, ever since I started. Like, I would, like, <laughs> cry myself to sleep. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to get canceled, you know. But uh, I just kind of just kind of let that go after a while because more people are open and receptive than they are to or or are then they are keen to cancel people so that's where i'm at <laughs> dude i think i have it easy because everybody myself included <laughs> there's a saying in aa or, or or in the groups or whatever um uh, sobriety recovery groups we're all liars cheats and thieves <laughs> right <laughs> that's how a lot of people will start off you know, we've been through all that crap, you know, we've done some bad things and um, we get to show everybody that, you know, that's not us anymore. So mm-hmm. I've, I've probably canceled myself so many times in the past, you know, <laughs> if somebody's going to bring it, bring something I've done up in, you know, when I was drunk or whatever at Gaslight, live from Gaslight. This is Ralph Sarah. <laughs> the self-cancellation pod. I'll be like, hey, man, you know, <laughs> that's in the past. But, you know, um, I've had to I've had to step back from one episode, just one and not air it, because after I was done recording, um, it was the, the person that I was interviewing um, or they were telling their story. They were like bashing their their family so bad. And, uh, you know, I, I just felt like I wasn't able to put that out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I just felt like it would like cause more harm. But I don't know. Is that my place? You know, if it's making me feel like that, um, I, I just didn't know. So I that's why I didn't put it out, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm so like new in the game. I'm I'm like, yeah. It's just just a learning. I'm 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 learning every day. Yeah, I think that sums it up, Ralph. Even just for all of us, we're all just kind of just rolling with it. Yeah, and also using your your best judgment. You know, we all have quite a bit of experience with interviews now, and then how those interviews are received 
once you put them out into the to the ether of the internet. Um, so so we have a pretty good gauge, I would say, and I think that hearing certain things, you can maybe time travel a little bit in your head and be able to determine, okay, that's not going to end well. It's, it might not be a reflection of your opinion too. You know, if you're bringing down the guests and they're being open and honest on how they feel, um, hopefully the listeners know that that's their opinion. And, and, and if you, you know, are on top of your game, you can actually, you know, begin that conversation right there during the podcast and be like, well, I actually disagree with that, Mm -hmm. you know, and we've had to come up with that. And, 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 and we recently um, heard something from one of our guests is like, oh, well, this person's not such a good person and all that stuff. And we're like, well, we didn't know that, you know, like Mm -hmm. after the fact, after the podcast already came out, it's like, okay, well, we didn't know that that person had done you wrong or, or whatever. Um, But, I still feel like that person's entitled to state how they feel in their opinion. For sure. And I think that it also depends on the type of podcast that you're trying to make. And maybe it really comes down to, cause I, I do this to myself pretty often where I I'll consider a guest and then I'll start looking at them. And then I will go back to the, uh, the mission statement for whichever podcast I'm interviewing the person for and you know i ask myself does it align does it fit yeah that's a good point i think that that's what i do as well um and you can't agree with everyone right so i at that point i'm like it's bigger than me you know it's not whether i agree with the person that i'm interviewing or not because it's really just about getting the message out there and people can make their own um i guess assumptions or decisions from there from listening to what somebody else has to say mm-hmm. um so i agree and then you're right like the there's a lot of preparation right that I, at least i do as well as i try to um know who i'm interviewing before i step into a room with them and put the mic on you know and so i think that um uh yeah it's just like a it's like a you know, middle of the road type of thing where you just kind of have to like tiptoe around and, and figure it out. And I think that that is like, it's a skill, it's a skill you build and, um, and you figure out, figure it out with time. Mm-hmm. Isn't it fun when you're, when you research somebody and then you bring up something that they would never thought you would have known. Like I was interviewing <laughs> Nick uh, Carpenter and then I brought up like a, a title of an old uh, song that he sang in like junior high or something like that. that I read. And he was oh. like, "Oh my God, you did your research, didn't you?" <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, such like a funny feeling, you know, such a good feeling. Yeah. But um, I've I've seems like I get you know a lot more people praising um, you know the podcast that I do, like just because it. They say that they they're proud and um, that it helps other people or they help them. I've had a few though that because I interview everybody, right? I I boy girl, you know, uh, different races, you know, different sexual preferences, everything like that. I've had some um, backlash uh, with some other people, and I just what do I do? I just ignore them, you know. I I don't want to get into the into a fight or something with them, you know. So. You know that's their opinion uh, i'm just gonna leave it at that and um but most of it's been positive you know it's been a lot of positive uh, feedback from everybody 
And those people that you just mentioned, are they talking to you about, you know, they're mad about a certain guest? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, their sexual preference or something like that, you know, that would that brought up or something like just just something that made them mad or they didn't agree with, you know. Okay. Yeah, I've had that too. So Jackie and I were starting our and like almost uh, ironically and kind of funnily in contrast to uh, Ralph's podcast. It's called Cocktails and Cock, which is like the any back word for weed. Um, so me and Jackie are Life starting from a Gaslight. <laughs> yes, basically. Um, and so I've had you know some uh, some blowback from the Native community to be like, hey, that's not part of our you know like our value system, or that's not who we are. That's not you're not setting a good example for kids. And I'm like, well, don't let your kids listen to it then. Like oh, yeah. this isn't a kids podcast. Like this is you know and then. I think there's a big part that uh, there's like over romanticization of native culture or, you know, people in general that like um, we have to be like this, you know, old Mm -hmm. traditional stuck in the past, like medicine man, or, you know, like you have to say all the right things and do all the right things. Whereas I, I, there's also value in like, um, you know, indigenous like freedom and creativity. And uh, there's, there's a it's indigenous joy is indigenous resistance you know what i mean so i'm just like man whatever you know like if it's not your cup of tea you know coffee and clock is kind of like you know maybe your daytime safe for work type of podcast but cocktails and clock is obviously not going to be for everyone you know <laughs> so like just listen you know at your own discretion and if you don't like it then don't listen like come on yeah like like i was i, I brought it up in a few um podcast saying you know just because we're sober just because we have recovery doesn't mean we we've changed for the better or whatever we're still the same person you know like i went out and and i play music i played at barry's baronoff lounge for new year's eve and that was so crazy i tell you (laughs) but i enjoy playing freaking music you know that that gives me joy i didn't drink you know if you if you can drink and you can have have um alcohol and do it safely and you enjoy it that's that that's you man go do it if you want to you know it's not for me and that's where i draw my line you know and i just have to kind of remind people that um we're we're humans life happens to us and just because we've stopped drinking it's our choice to lead a better life you know for ourselves you know mm-hmm. we don't have to try to push that onto other people you know mm-hmm. yeah Live from Gaslight. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do that, man. (laughs) This question goes out to everyone. Why did you choose to make a podcast rather than some other form of media? Oh, I love this question. I think it's, and I was just talking about this the other day, yesterday, actually, um, on another podcast, another one called Nomad Cast, which is um, Native American from down south. Um, but I think that there's, um, there's a a recognition of presence, right? Not a lot of people are great on paper, you know, like not everybody is representative by like the shit that's on their resume. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, some people are about presence, you know, and their voice carries, you know, something in it, you know, then you, it, it makes you want to listen, you know? And I think that, um, as a culture where our, 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 language wasn't written for so long you know our language was um 
passed down orally, right? Um, mm -hmm. By generation to generation. And so there's something natural in a way that I think listening to other native people on a podcast, I mean, there's something like that's very um, familiar or uh, reminiscent or in, like there's something innately indigenous, I feel like about a podcast. And um, it's it can be really powerful uh, to to just listen, you know, and I think that, you know, my dad and my sister, my older sister, like they're super great storytellers. But for me, um, because I had I'm not a great storyteller. I don't, I don't feel like I'm a great storyteller. They just get they get so animated, you know, and they're like in your face and it's like so exciting, whatever they're talking about. But because that, you know, I had these people to look up to my whole life, I felt like it made me a great listener. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that uh, recording a podcast is is really powerful in in sharing that part of indigenous knowledge and resistance and um you know brilliance with other people and with ourselves because that's not uh it's not really seen a lot or you know like there's a there's a level of i guess gatekeeping that academics or um other people like on paper uh seem to be like better suited for or whatever but there's something super familiar and, and cool to just listen to another native person telling a story like that's kind of you know native people's forte um and so that's why i decided to to do a podcast because it's cool to just hear it straight from the person's mouth um and there's something really special um about it for me um just being in the native community and with you know having great storytellers in my family i think for me um wanting to start a podcast was the it gives gives me a sense of long form freedom as far as like expressing how I feel about certain things and letting other guests express how they feel about certain um, activities or whatever culture they have without any like, you know, 142 characters or one picture or, you know, any sort of video that goes along with it. It just allows freedom to really get deeper than you could otherwise um, a lot of times if you're writing something at a certain point it becomes you know article or a, becomes a book whereas a podcast it can go from you know an hour to four hours and you can make it as deep as you want and, and rabbit hole there or rabbit hole here and just let a conversation go mm -hmm. and i feel as if people feel as if they're in the room with us if we're in the you know in the studio or in the conversation with us so it's it kind of feels, I kind of want it to be where people feel as if they are with us and could chime in, you know, if they were there with us. And it just gives you freedom to express, I don't know, differently. Mm -hmm. I like that, Dan. It was totally selfish for me to start this podcast. <laughs> it was so, It was something to keep hold my hold myself accountable you know because i was in treatment thinking oh what am i going to do you know how how am i going to be able to get all these other different ways of holding myself accountable i had a vision board in my room um i went to residential treatment at ernie turner center and i had a vision board up up on my room and of course they had like my family and you know material things like motorcycle, a house, a log house. And then I had a book on there called uh, The Anonymous Eskimo, and I drew it out like a book cover, right? And on the top, it had number one bestseller, you know, just like how you see in the, <laughs> the newsstands. Yeah. But then, because um, we had to write our story for everybody else, 
all the participants, all the staff, and you tell it, you know, before you are um, commenced out of there, I think they called it. Um, so I was thinking writing my story as like a book. And so, so I did it, which became my first episode in my story on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, you know, saying, wow, that's so good. That's so great. And I was thinking, oh man, a book would be so freaking crazy to do. I don't think I can do a book, you know? So I was thinking in my head, what else can I do? You know, what else can I, can I, you know, help people at the same time with helping me? And then a podcast came up, you know, and that's when I started Googling after I got out, of course, because you're not able to, you know, use any, you're not able to have phones or anything like that in there. But I was, you know, that's when I started Googling uh, indigenous, native, you know, Inuit, whatever, Yipik, all the, all the words. And I couldn't find anything. So that's why I started this podcast, um, to hold myself accountable. And at the same time, now I'm being able to send some help out to the world, to other people who are struggling, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, I think uh, my podcast is super easy for me because I let uh, the people that I interview tell their stories, you know, I may have some questions to get that ball rolling, but basically I'm an active listener, just let, letting them tell the story. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't planning on, on giving my reason for starting a podcast, but I think it's a little different than, than all of yours. So I'll just go ahead. Um, the reason that I started a podcast was totally by accident. Um, it was because I was writing articles for magazines and newspapers and, you know, writing's hard. <laughs> it takes, it takes a long time and not all of the time. Is it, is it a lucrative career where you can pay bills? And so I found myself being very meticulous about the way that I was conveying, you know, stories, people's voices, being very specific about, you know, being true and being genuine to those people. And I had this epiphany one day where I'm like, you know, I'm recording all of my interviews already. You know, I've been doing that since college for, for all of my journalistic work. I've been recording them. I'm like, how awesome would it be if I could just put those interviews out, you know, kind of cut out that process of sitting down and transcribing these conversations, um, 17,000 to 30,000 words, um, just like painstakingly, you know, weeks and weeks of just transcribing. What if I could just put those conversations out? And so I started thinking about it more and more often. And then eventually I, I did it. And this other realization that I had was I, I was so happy because I was able to put out thoughtful content on a weekly basis. So, so it, it kind of, it kind of stemmed from, from writing, but I just fell into it. Cool. I also feel it, it scratches that creative itch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used to do a lot of music, make a lot of music and, and do a lot of audio stuff. And for me, it's just, it just scratches that creative itch where I feel like, oh, okay, I made something cool, you know? Mm -hmm. I know that feeling when you put out an episode and it, it, 
it like explodes on your BuzzFeed thing. I don't know what 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 you guys or bu- Buzzsprout thing, and it it has like a little confetti thing. It says your episode has been uploaded. You know, I'm yeah. like yes. You know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I also think that there's this incredible power of therapy in a good conversation, and, and I'm not sure if. I've been able to identify it just yet, but I think it has to do with creating and being in a space of vulnerability and honesty. You know, when two people, and a lot of times those two people are strangers, are vulnerable and honest with each other, it creates this connection that makes you feel like you understand the world a little better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then, you know, it's also in, we're also in the age of, you know, this whole thing of like fake hashtag fake news, right? Mm-hmm. And like this whole idea of organized media is like a little sus at the moment, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so getting back to your roots, like doing something very, you know, um, what's the word? I guess just like so elementary, you know, it's just basic. It's just as, mm-hmm. as basic as sitting down with somebody and having a conversation conversation and sharing that with the world that just seems you know very trustworthy and and I think that that's what's missing in media these days is there's a level of um, trust that's not being built between person to person and that might be why that people are losing faith in in different um, structures I guess and systems and it's also maybe just a sign of the times I guess but um, I think that there's a, a lot that people can learn by just, you're right, by just sitting down and having a conversation honestly and vulnerably with somebody and sharing that with the world. And, and yeah, and I guess that's just, it's what we do, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> How often do you all leave a podcast recording feeling better than when you started? Almost every time. Yeah, I mean, I... Sometimes, okay, so I had a six-hour conversation one time, and I was just super Dang. exhausted, and I was like, no, I don't want to edit this. <laughs> yeah. So, but that was the only time that I kind of, like, felt, you know, exhausted. I mean, I always feel a little bit exhausted, but a good exhaust. You know, almost like after you work out at the gym or something, and you're like, okay, that was really hard, and it was kind of hard to do at the in the moment, but it feels good afterwards. So, um, yeah, I mean, almost every time, too, I agree, Dan. Yeah, it, when when you're recording it and you're listening to to the re, to the uh, person talking, sometimes in the middle of it, I'll be like, you know, because they're like, um, and and um, is that, and then <laughs> and then you're thinking, oh no, it's gonna be like three three hours of uh, editing or whatever. <laughs> but then after you're done and you listen back to it and it's and it's good and the content is good, you feel so good, you know, you're like, yes, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It, so, and just just be able, being able to get people out there and sharing um you know their struggles and and their accomplishments to the world just they're so courageous to do it on my podcast you know and it's such a good feeling to be able to think that i'm putting some hope out there you know i keep saying the word hope but it's just that's what it is you know that's what i envision uh, going out there to other people that are going through the same type of struggles that I went through or the people that are on my podcast have went through. Mm-hmm. I think it builds a lot of relationships too, a lot of community. I mean, all the guests that we've come on and have them, I feel like I could call any of them 
and be like, Hey, I'm actually thinking about, you know, whatever it is that they're super into mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, can I call you or so-and-so is really interested in this? Can I connect you guys? So I kind of feel like it just creates that connection, which I, I'm kind of proud of. Hearing you say that, Daniel, which I, I fully agree with, and I've thought along those same lines before, and I'm kind of a Marvel nerd. And so when I'm looking at, say, Chattermarks or my personal podcast, Crude Conversations, I'm actually a little bit looking at them like a multiverse, you know, like, oh, this person would be great to have on with this person, or actually, <laughs> you know, using this conversation that we're having right now, you know, oh, I could have Daniel on with Alice. Oh, and then Ralph would be great on that too. So I, I'm like, just, you know, it's the multiverse all, all coming together. That's a great way yeah. to put it. <laughs> yeah, when you were talking about how Alaskan podcasters are, you know, how, how we all connect to each other, it's funny because I just got a text from Blaze Bell asking, hey, what, who are those guys that you sent me the names of and their, and their numbers? It's just so, <laughs> so cool that we can all connect together and, you know, have this common thing of putting out podcasts to the whole world. And I, it just blows my mind sometimes to think of the whole world because I'll look at my stats, you know, and then I'll see all these countries on there. I'm like, dang, really? <laughs> you know, it, it still blows my mind. Have you all learned anything about the way you communicate with the world through doing your podcast? I've always been told I'm a good listener. Um, it probably goes with, you know, 20 years in the Anchorage School District, you know, listening, listening to kids and parents all the time and, and holding, <laughs> my t- holding my tongue, you know, or my opinion and, and really thinking before I speak. Um, I think it's made me an even better listener, which I guess can you, I mean, is there a point where you're the best listener? I don't know. <laughs> 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 how do you how do you quantify that? Like, I just feel like I'm 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 a better listener now, and you know, which is weird because in a podcast, you're you know you're the one talking, you're the one wanting people to listen to you. But really, I found myself becoming an even better listener, um, which is, I guess, cool. Yeah, I think that. Um... I realized, you know, how annoying I sound, definitely. I mean, I feel like we all go through that. (laughs) But uh, it's also brought a lot of confidence. You know, I was working some jobs that I wasn't really passionate about for a long time. And I was feeling like, I don't know, maybe in my body somehow that like I was rejecting it with it, you know, because I was just feeling anxious. I would have like anxiety attacks at work. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I just, you know, like enjoy what I'm doing? And and feel good about it. But once I started my podcast, I felt like I had um, gained a lot of confidence in my abilities as a person, um, as a creator, as um, uh, as a listener too, you know? And I think that that has helped for me to learn to articulate, you know, what I care about and, and how I do, how I, you know, how, how my pro- process goes. Um, and since you know i've started my podcast people are like oh that makes so much sense you know you're so articulate and i'm like whoa you know like maybe i i maybe my um my my form of communication has gotten better over time just because of doing the podcast and uh yeah i think that it's noticeable my first 
interviews I did, I was like trying to jump on, you know, I was jumping on the other person all the whole time, like, oh, and this and that, you know, and just like I we said earlier, we're we're, we're learning, you know, we keep learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was my experience. You know, Alice, Ralph, and Daniel, that does it for my questions. I, I want to let you know that this was. This was great. I'm a fan of all of your podcasts and I'm excited to hear the stories you continue to put out. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, anyone that wants to start a podcast started and I am more than willing to help anybody and open. And I feel as if all the podcasters are waiting with open arms. I feel like there could be so many more cool Alaska podcasts. Um, and I, and I f- want to thank you, Cody, as one of the first people that I knew that started a podcast, almost trying to, almost like a pioneer of the Alaska podcast scene. Um, so thank you and anyone that's interested. I feel as if you should get started right away and contact any podcast that you are listening to in Alaska, and I guarantee that they will be willing to help you through that door. Yeah, I'm going to echo that same sentiment. Um, I... I, like I said just before, I, I selfishly want to hear more media created by um, Alaskans and, and Alaska Native people. So I'm always open. Feel free to shoot me a line, email if you need help or anything like that. I'm I'm all ears. I also think it's kind of cool that, um, you know, maybe the future is, like I've heard a lot that some universities and for their classes, like they'd listen to some of my podcast episodes and how cool would it be to be able to put together a podcast episode instead of writing a paper in college, you know, and how much more inclusive and accessible does that seem? Because, you know, maybe not everyone's the greatest writer, like we were talking about before, you you know, like this book idea or like writing articles and stuff like that. You know, maybe some people are better communicators in person or through their voice and, um, and that's cool. And that, and that could be a, a way forward, but, um, yeah, thank you so much, Cody. I appreciate the time and, and being able to connect, um, with Dan and Ralph and you as well. It's been a while. So it's, it's cool to catch up a little bit and reflect. Hell yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I'm, I'm really excited for the new year. Like, you know, just growing and hearing everybody's growth. Like I I'm like thinking about doing a website now and I'm like so scared and, uh, just like it's this huge daunting thing. I think that I don't want to do any more work, but, <laughs> but, I, but it, it's, it's exciting at the same time, you know, and I always tell all my, um, people that I interview, man, you should do a podcast or like, you know, do a Ted talk or something. You have, you have such a good story, you know, if more pe- if we got more people doing this, just think how much, uh, information and, you know, people their voices out into the in, into the world it would make it just more awesome you know and, and enjoyable and people would be able to learn more about different things you know so if anybody's listening out there and thinking about doing a podcast just do it man because my you know my first podcast was on my phone so <laughs> you can do it and you know it's a learning process we're all still learning and if you have any questions go ask these guys because they're freaking awesome (laughs) 
For more information about the Anchorage Museum, visit anchoragemuseum.org. This podcast was produced by me, Cody Liska, for the Anchorage Museum, with additional help from Julie Decker. Chattermark's music is produced by Keys Open Doors.